Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, the show where America is the star and the American people. And if you want to listen to our show, go to the iHeartRadio app or listen to the podcast, well, wherever you pick them up. Up next, a story kindly submitted to us by the Veterans History Project at the Atlanta History Center. We will be hearing from Army Ranger Michael Schlitz, who served in Iraq. Let's take a listen. I went in the military pretty much right out after high school. You know, honestly, I was a little immature. I knew if I went to college, I was probably going to struggle. I'd probably party a little too hard and, and not really pay enough attention to the classes. And I really didn't want to set myself up for failure. Plus, I was just kind of floating around life at the time. You know, I didn't really have the direction and really an idea of what I wanted to do. And uh, my father had been a Navy veteran. My brother was already in the Army. And at the time, I didn't know it, but he was about to go to Haiti for uh, Operation Uphold Democracy. So my goal was to come in the military, do a few years, maybe come back out, go to college, and then figure out what I want to do. Came in the Army in March of 1996. Did my training here at Fort Benning, Georgia, basic and AIT. Pretty much right off the get-go of it, I, I just fell in love with it. Um, I like the discipline, I like the routine, I like the everyday challenges. I mean, you, you pretty much woke up every day knowing what you're going to do, but at the same time there was new levels of responsibility and challenges constantly thrown at you to kind of keep you on your toes and, and make you react. And to me, there's nothing else like it. 
we do talk a lot about the teamwork and coming together as a team to accomplish a mission, but you know, honestly, the military has a lot of eye in there too. Like you have to outperform your peers in order to be promoted, to able to go to those schools. And um, I always challenge myself to be better than those around me. My first assignment after completing my training was 1-5 uh, Infantry out of Fort Lewis, which was uh, part of the 25th Infantry Division. About a year and a half being at Fort Lewis, I got picked to go to Korea. And then after Korea, went to 1st uh, of the 502nd at 101st. And right away when I got to 101st, you know, I just started plugging away. I was a specialist at the time. And I asked them, you know, can I go to a pre-ranger? I want to go to ranger school. What do I need to go? And they're like, well, we got to send you to air assault school first. The very last thing you do is a 12-mile foot march. And, uh, you know, it, it's self-release. You got 35 pounds on your back. You have three hours. And it's an individual task. You know, it's your own pace. Yeah, there's other people out there, but it's really on you. And I ended up coming in first place for that. And uh, so I outdid my other classmates. And so the next day was graduation. And my my uh, first arm platoon sergeant had come to the graduation. And I guess it was pretty normal that when you graduate the course, they give you a four-day pass to say, hey, you know, good job, Let's then come back to work. And my company, my infantry company, was doing a 10-mile uh, company race the next day. And my platoon sergeant said, you know, first sergeant, would like to give you the, uh, the four-day pass, but we're having this race. We need to introduce you to the rest of the guys in the company. We understand you did 12 miles, but would you come out and do this run tomorrow? And, you know, I'm a, you know, being a young guy and, you know, wanting to prove myself, I said, of course. So I showed up the next day and I ended up taking third place. I can remember my, my, my platoon sergeant and first sergeant, again, pretty much the only guys who know who I am, pulling me off to the side and said, oh, by the way, on Monday you start pre-ranger. So uh, I've always been a pretty lean guy. So going into ranger school, I, you know, at 5'6", I only weighed 155 pounds. I can remember before going to, to school, them saying, hey, you need to put as much fat on your body as you can because, you know, once you're done burning through the fat, you're gonna start burning through your muscle. And uh, it, it sure enough happened to pretty much all of us. And it has a very distinct ammonia smell. And at the time we had the old BDUs with the brown shirts and everybody's shirts would turn orange. And it was because when you burn the muscle and it puts off the secretion and everything, it, it would almost bleach out your shirts. And so two months later when I came out of the swamps of Florida and they brief you, and it's the first time I actually had stepped on the scale the entire time and I weighed 115 pounds. I started at 155 pounds. So in just over two months, you know, I lost 40 pounds. And for being somebody who was lean, that was actually quite a bit. And, you know, leading up to graduation, those four days, you're actually allowed to start putting food in your system. And I can rem remember eating pints of Hazendaz ice cream and, you know, full pizzas. And, and I mean, you would just eat and eat and eat. And then when you could, you'd try to get some rest too. And so at graduation, I had actually put on, in those four days, I had got myself back up to 135 pounds, but it was like all gut. Your eyes are still black, they're sunken in, your cheeks are sunken in, you're just frail looking, you're very weak looking, but you have this little pot belly thing going on, you know, under the uniform. But the majority of the people who do go to, to school within that, th that point will probably lose anywhere from 25 to about 50 pounds, depending on how big you are. I went back to the 101st. I made sergeant shortly after getting back. I uh, was a team leader. And then the big army decided, well, it's time to go back to Korea. 
And so I uh, packed my bags, went back to Korea for another year. You're always, within your one year, you're always allowed to take a little vacation time at some point. They um, call it mid-tour leave. And so I was married at the time, and so my wife had come over, and we just had, just south of the peninsula, there's a little island, so we had gone down to the island for a few days, flown back into Seoul, we're having dinner, and the next day we're due to fly to Bali, Indonesia, for a few days. And we're sitting there having dinner, watching the football game on the TV, and we saw the first plane hit the tower. And we actually thought they had changed the channel on us, thinking they took the football game off and then put on a movie. And so we're all kind of yelling, you know, because it was kind of an American bar in Seoul. And we're like, put the game back on. And then we saw the second plane hit. And we realized, okay, something's not right. So, you know, we, we didn't even finish our dinner. We, you know, we paid our check, jumped in a cab, went back to our hotel where I had my, my work cell phone. And it was like, yeah, vacation's over, time to come home. The vacation was over indeed and over for so many of us, especially those who serve in uniform. And we're listening to Michael Schlitz tell his story, his service story. By the way, so much of his family, so many members of his family had served, and that is the case throughout this country that military service runs through the family. When we come back, more of Michael Schlitz's story here on Our American Stories. Here at Our American Stories, we bring you inspiring stories of history, sports, business, faith, and love. Stories from a great and beautiful country that need to be told. But we can't do it without you. Our stories are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. If you love our stories in America like we do, please go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the donate button. Give a little. Give a lot. Help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we continue with Our American Stories and with Michael Schlitz's story. We just heard about the day that changed America, 9-11, and that's uh, September 11th, 2001. And let's take it back to Michael. Uh, Eventually moved up to a a staff position running the resources for all ranger school. Um, Sometimes it was air assets, but all the ranges, land, uh, pretty much everything um, except for ammo. We had an ammo guy who did that. When it was time for me to leave, I called up uh, my branch manager and said, hey, you know, what's the next deploying unit? He goes, well, the next next guys to leave is 10th Mountain Division. I said, well, that's where I want to go. And so, I mean, to me, there was there was no other options. It was, this is what I want to go do. And since I hadn't had the chance to really deploy, um, I knew I wanted to be on the next chalk going out. So I reported to 10th Mountain Division in March of 06, and we deployed in August of 06. So our sector was the southwest side of Baghdad. Uh, The media at the time called it the Sunni Triangle or the Triangle of Death. You know, when we first invaded, you know, the insurgents really didn't know how to fight us. And as they studied us and and found out our operating procedures, then they could figure out how to attack us and our weaknesses, just like we do for them. And then our our wounded and our killed in actions had doubled. And so um, in 06, we have what we call the surge. And basically the U.S. answer to that was to just triple the number of U.S. forces we had in Iraq at the time and do a big sweep across the country. And obviously in an area like that that's littered with uh, roadside bombs, IEDs, improvised explosive devices, um, the more people you put in an area, the more that can actually get injured. So we actually did see our, our killed in action and our wounded in action triple in numbers but we were making a big push. We were finding those IEDs. We were finding the, the insurgent sales. So we were making a huge difference. It just, it came at a cost. We had huge up armored vehicles. We had one that was called the Husky. Uh, it was like a mine detecting vehicle. And these vehicles were actually made for Africa so they could drive over minefields and have the mines explode. And the bottom of the vehicles, instead of being flat, like a lot of the US vehicles, they had a V-haul. So they came down into a point like a boat and what would happen is when the rounds would come up, it would shatter away versus coming straight up to the armor. So we had mine detecting vehicles. We had um, troop carrying vehicles that just a little bit heavy, heavy armored so we could have some, some firepower on top. And then we'd have the uh, one that had the huge claw. So if we found wire, we found a, a, something that looked kind of suspicious, we, that, that claw would go way forward of the vehicle, had a camera on it, and we could interrogate it without ever leaving the security of our vehicle. And uh, there were signs where we would take three hits in a single day, three IEDs that we weren't able to spot them. They'd, 
they'd detonate on us. And as long as our vehicles would keep rolling, we just kept rolling on with the mission. We didn't stop, you know. And then February 27, 2007 came about. Started like any other day. Woke up, you know, got the guys ready, got their, the, the vehicles prepped, got them prepped, brought them in. Uh, we did our briefings. They, they knew exactly it was going to take us about 15-hour patrol that day to get through all the, the routes that we had planned. And then, um, you know, we loaded up and we had been on the road about three hours and we came across one of the routes. Um, I believe it was Route Primus. It was actually um, a dead-end road. And typically when you plan your routes, you never cover the same spot more than once because if you do, you get blown up because they can predict you. Uh, unfortunately, with the dead-end road, there's one way down, one way back. And we had taken our time. And anytime we're looking for the IEDs, you're only going about two miles per hour. So it's, it's a creep crawl. Obviously, why you need that that heavy armored vehicles because you're moving so slow, it's a it's an easy target. And we got down to the end of the road. Uh, it's a very rural area. There was a lot of canals and farmland, and um, not the the open desert that people think of when when they think of Iraq. Once we started coming back up, we picked up the pace a little bit. I want to say we were probably going about between five and ten miles an hour. So it's not like we were speeding up the road, but we weren't creep crawling along either. And then I heard the blast. Uh, I can remember hearing the boom, and before I could even get like a, a choice four-letter word out of my mouth, I was I was hitting the ground. And you know, when you go through these training, you go through all this stuff. As a leader, you always want to just pause for a second and just get a quick battle damage assessment so you can make a a quick decision. It can't be long; it's just a quick pause. And as I did that, I looked at my vehicle, and I really at the time didn't see anything out of the un, unusual about it. What I didn't see was my guys. So I just immediately got up to run back for my vehicle. And as I got closer to the vehicle, that's when I could feel the flames hit me in the face. And I, I realized I was on fire. And um, because I felt like it was in the torso area because it was just hitting me in the face so bad, I decided to drop my IBA or my protective vest. And so I kind of just tossed it real quick, got down, and started to roll. And I only got about a roll and a half in and the heat was so intense that it basically locked up my muscles. Uh, but I definitely was like, okay, this is it for me. This, this is where my life ends. I'm gonna die here, you know, face down on the ground in Iraq. And, you know, what am I gonna do? I can't move, you know, and I'm on fire. And about the time those, those, those emotions and those thoughts were coming over my body, I could hear my guys yelling for me. Before I knew it, they were hitting me with that fire extinguisher. And it went from that, that extreme heat to that extreme cooling. And, I don't think I'll ever probably find the words to describe that feeling of that cooling sensation and, and the relief it provided me, like almost instantly. But then it also gave me that, you know, that emotional kind of aspect where, okay, maybe I'm not going to die here on the ground. That if they got to me and, and I feel like this right now, then maybe I still have a fighting chance to go on. From there, one of my young sergeants, Sergeant Redmond, wasn't one of my best sergeants. Um, I actually had plans on kicking him out of the Army for some other bad decisions he made. But two of the young guys were going to grab me and start dragging me off the road. And uh, he stopped them. He's like, no, you can't do that. You have to get the spine board. If you drag him, you'll kill him. And um, the only analogy I can really use or the way to explain it is, if you think about baked chicken, you just pull that baked chicken out of the, out of the oven, you know, and how the meat and the skin, everything just kind of scuffs off the bone. Well, I basically had just been burned alive. So had they drugged me, everything would have just scuffed off and they, they probably would have killed me. The guys were talking to me, you know, reassuring me, and I was getting a little annoyed with it. Uh, 
I can remember telling him, just shut up, I got this, don't worry about it. And uh, before I knew it, I could start to hear the chopper coming in, the helicopter, the medevac was coming in. You know, all the guys would kind of lightly lay over me, not enough to irritate the burns or anything, but just protect me from the water rush of the bird landing. And they loaded me up. I remember uh, there was a female flight medic. She asked me my name and social. I know I got my name out. Uh, no idea about the social. Um, and the mags just kind of kicked in. Later on, I found out they, they pretty much had to start working on me right away in, in Balot. Uh, I laid, uh, years, um, about two years after it happened, I actually got to meet my surgeon, who was an Air Force uh, colonel. And he said that, you know, of his two years that he almost spent over there, they had, they had never been attacked, except for the one time I was on the table and they got rocket attacked, so things were shaking and stuff. And he said what he could remember was my legs, is everything above my boot was in really, really bad condition. And I, I don't remember what the procedure was called, but basically there was uh, a procedure they weren't supposed to do on burns. Brook Army Medical Center is like the burn hospital, one of the best hospitals for burns. And there was a procedure that they weren't supposed to do on any burn patients. And he ended up doing it on me, and it was the only way to save my legs. Because uh, had that happened, they would have had to take my legs too. So, you know, here's a guy who not only saved my life, because I, I was constantly flatlining and and having all kinds of issues and, and, and the prognosis that was even going back to the unit was I wasn't going to make it, that I was just too far gone at that point. And you're listening to Army Ranger Michael Schlitz tell one heck of a story. When he deploys to Iraq, he doesn't get the easy space. And there isn't really much of an easy space or place there, but he gets the Sunni Triangle. Then you overlay the surge, and particularly the insurgents' use of mines that actually developed their own name called improvised explosive devices, because that's what they were. And his job was to find them, which meant he and his units would go out at a crawl and be open targets for not only these devices, but all kinds of, all kinds of attacks, and all to protect fellow soldiers from these IEDs and ultimately to secure the area. When we come back, more of this remarkable story the story of how Michael Schlitz comes back from a near-death experience here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we continue here with Our American Stories and the story of Army Ranger Michael Schlitz. Let's pick up where Michael last left off. Luckily, they stabilized me and... uh, pretty much sent me to Brook Army Medical Center and got there on 2 March of uh, 07, immediately put into ICU, uh, spent six months in ICU, uh, multiple skin grafts. At that point, they had to make the call to go ahead and take the hands. So I didn't lose the hands from the explosion. I actually lost the hands due to the burns. Like mentally, I knew I, I knew how to walk and stuff, but I had so much muscle damage and so much weakness that when I would go to get up to walk, like initially I would just kind of crumble. I, I couldn't walk. So they had to build that up. So, you know, sometimes it was just, today all we're gonna do is stand up out, out of bed. The next day, you know, we're gonna do two steps and now we're gonna walk to the door. Like one of the ways they motivated me is my brother and my niece were down um, visiting and uh, they allowed me to walk to the ICU doors and my niece was sitting on the ground and, it's really the first time she got to see me too, and she didn't recognize me. And her name's Brina, and I always had a way I'd always say, Brina, 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 Brina. And so I did that, and she realized it was me. And of course, I had to go back to the room, so they shut the doors, and then she was upset that she, she didn't get to hang out with me. It wasn't until I went to my welcome home ceremony that I found out that the three guys I had in my vehicle all passed away. Um, you know, they didn't want to tell me when I was in the hospital or going through recovery because they didn't want me to mentally or, or just have it stress me out to the point where I'd take a change. After about four months of the, the burn ward and still going through it, the only way they let me out of the hospital is if I got a small house, on post house close to the, the hospital. So if anything happened, I was still nearby. So mom and I moved into a small, small, probably maybe 700 square foot home, two bedrooms right on top of each other. and. That's where it, it's that, that time frame, you know, I was still probably sleeping 16 hours a day. I, I'd be up, they'd change my bandages, and I'd eat 
and that's pretty much all I, you know, I go to sleep, wake up, eat, go to sleep, wake up, eat, and go sleep. And But for mom, that, that, that was probably some of the most horrific time besides just learning about the, the stuff, but she had to take it. She had to do a lot of the wound care. She had to do all the cooking, the cleaning. I wasn't allowed to sleep on my sheets more than once because of infection. Um, so it just put all that on her. And obviously she didn't have anybody to help her. So she was doing all that on her own. And eventually, you know, I got my first prosthetic. And, and that night I can remember going home and mom cooked and cut all my food up for me. But that very first night I was able to feed myself. And uh, that was huge for me because uh, leading up to that first prosthetic, I, I couldn't dress myself, couldn't feed myself, couldn't take myself to the bathroom. There was really very little I could do on an average day by myself. And, and that affects you mentally. Obviously, I, I contemplated suicide, but you know, I didn't want to let mom down. And then you know, I had my brothers in the army and a lot of people who visited me. And you never want to let anybody down. So ultimately, because of that support system is why I didn't commit suicide. But um, when I had that first prosthetic, it gave me that little bit of hope, that little bit of independence. And then shortly after that, I got the second prosthetic. And, you know, I've just kind of been on the go since. And not that I don't have bad days or, you know, take turns here and there still. I can say, man, I never saw my, my life going in the direction it has. One of the things I battled with is a sense of purpose. You know, my entire adult life, I was a soldier. I lived for my career. I would have, I, pretty much everything in my life took second, second string to my career. Like, I wanted to be a soldier. This is what I do. And, you know, if it meant missing a wedding or missing somebody's birthday or, or missing a big, big event, that if, if it was for the military and something I had, thought I had to do, I would always pick it over everything. And, uh, you know, even my marriage, like, I, I got divorced well before the injury. Uh, but I always picked my career. It's just, it's who I was. And now I didn't feel like I could be a soldier anymore. I felt like, you know, my identity had been struck for me. I didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, mom and I would have conversations like, I don't know what I could do. And mom's like, well, maybe you could do some public speaking. I'm like, oh, I can't do that, you know. And she, you know, she would try to guide me. And, you know, I couldn't foresee what, where life would take me at the time. And, or, or even, at, you know, falling back on my career as an instructor, giving classes to a few hundred kids, you know, or, or soldiers or doing any of those things. But as I started doing more events, they would ask me to come speak and I told my story more. And I had the opportunity to go over back to Iraq on um, three different occasions through a thing called Operation Proper Exit. And so when I came back, I just kind of went full in into motivational speaking and leadership speaking, companies, units, nonprofit events, charity events. And so that's what I do now. And, and you know, it's my purpose. It's what I like to do. It, it keeps me around both the veteran community guys who served, whether it was World War II up through the current conflicts or it's the active duty guys, every branch you can, can think of. It just allows me to get around everybody. And I've had a great support network. Obviously, I didn't do it on my own. You know, the brotherhood's been very, very good to me. I mean, whether it was my guys out of 10th Mountain, the Rangers I served with, uh, you know, guys that, you know, as a private with that still keep in touch with me. Uh, it's a very, very tight-knit community. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm a proud Army veteran. You know, uh, you know I'm glad I got the chance to serve. Um, I can't picture my life without it. Um, but obviously, veterans, it, you know, it takes a certain mentality to, to serve your country. And, and obviously, after 14 years of war, 
you know, everybody who goes over there comes home a little different. You know, what, what really kind of bothers me is when I go in public, I could have three veterans with me. Two might be suffering from post-traumatic stress, one could be have a, a TBI, a traumatic brain injury, and then there's me. And the only one they'll think is me. And they just forget about these guys. But those guys' service is no different than mine. You know, and, and I have, you know, guys that have multiple deployments always coming up to me and saying, you know, my, you know, my service isn't quite the same. It isn't like yours. No, your service is the same, same as mine. I had one bad day which changed, you know, this part of me. But the actual service, serving your country, is no different. You know, anybody in, on any given day can have a bad day. And I'm what a bad day looks like. But we don't know enough about the brain and the way things function to fix the brain right now. And you can throw meds at it and you can do different things, but ultimately the brain's gonna do what the brain's gonna do. Uh, but for somebody like me who has a physical injury, the guys that have leg injuries, there's always a way to adapt something. I, I can figure out, you know, at the, even before I had prosthetics, um, I used to take the Gatorade bottles, drill a hole in the cap, put the cap back on, fill, you know, have my drink, and I'd have a straw in there so I could carry it myself. So for me, life is always about adapting and changing and doing stuff. But when you have a TBI or you have PTS to uh, the higher uh, functioning levels, you don't have that option. You know, you can't control it. So they may look what you consider normal, but they're struggling more so than, than a lot of the people that you consider disabled. Uh, so I think it's important to stay in touch with everybody and not, not fall off the grid. It's gonna be harder for those guys who, who maybe move to those rural communities away from military posts, away from some of the larger organizations. But in today's society, and especially with social media, you know, and, and Facebook, I mean, there's so many veteran groups on, on Facebook that you can reach out to. And maybe you don't get to go up and uh, have dinner with them once a week or once a month, at least you can communicate. Or if you're having some issues, somebody to, to uh, vent to. And nobody understands a veteran like a veteran. And a terrific job on the production by Greg Hengler. And a special thanks to Michael Schlitz for sharing his story about his service and all that happened while he was on duty in Iraq, losing three of his pals. He survived, but he lost three of his pals. Lost his hands and lost so much, but gained as much too back, learning about the Brotherhood, learning about the 10th Mountain Division and so many others who helped. Michael Schlintz's story, the story of so many of our soldiers who served in Iraq and Afghanistan, here on Our American Stories. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.